But then immediately links it into this idea that he's given you something and the idea is that you're supposed to put that to work and reproduce. So the question is, what is it that God has entrusted to you? There's probably a lot of things, but let's think about just the message of the kingdom of God. God has entrusted to you the message of the kingdom of God. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost and then immediately talks about us being called or invited into the same purpose. Yeah? But there's a problem and uh, there's a couple of ways I can explain this. But first of all, let me just show you something. Um, I'm sure you're blessed by that. Um, I'm sure you're encouraged now. And we'll just do the appeal right now. If you'd like to respond to this, then... Okay, I don't know. You probably don't know what that actually means. The word there, ideas, shouldn't say ideas. It should say relationship. But basically in a room of two people, there is one relationship. In a room of three people... There are three relationships. In a room of five people, there are ten relationships. In a room of a hundred people, there are 4,950 different relationships. It's incredible. No, exactly. 4,950 different relationships. And this is the way you can work it out. The numbered squared minus the number divided by two. So what that says to me is, there's an incredible amount of relationships, even in this room, the amount of people that we touch, right. it's just a phenomenal amount of people that we would touch. But the problem we have is this, and I want to talk about this a little bit later, is that we need to go from this idea, one person, the idea that one person does the job and just speaks and shares, the idea of going from one to many, to many to many. Right. Where we share and where we are equipped to tell people about Jesus because entrusted in each and every one of us is this incredible message of the kingdom of God but there's a problem and uh, let me just give you an idea of this kind of problem because I remember this from years and years ago when I first started doing schools work and we began to have quite a lot of young people getting saved in the schools I got a phone call one day and uh, the phone call was this guy and he said um, uh, hi, you don't know me. My name is, I can't remember what it was, probably John or something. You don't know me. My name is John uh, and I'm a Christian and I work in a school. And he said, but I'm really interested in what you do. He said, because I'm really persecuted for my faith. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Uh, but people look down on me because I'm a Christian. They persecute me because I'm a Christian. They don't listen to what I say. And I like the idea of maybe coming on something like Pays where I've got freedom to share my faith, could I come and talk to you? So I said, absolutely, no problem. You, you come straight away. He said, well, I come directly from school. No problem. So the next day, there was a glass, uh, the church I worked at, there was a glass front. And uh, he phoned and said, oh, I'm on my way now. So I went to meet him at the front door. And I saw this guy coming down the road. And he looked a mess. Now he looked, and I was, now he'd come straight from school. He was like really, really scruffy. He had a, now I know I've got a scruffy beard at the moment, but there's a reason for this. It's no shave November, okay? He had one that was worse than this, okay? Not that beards are bad, but it wasn't kept. It was really bad. And what made it worse was he had all these badges everywhere. Honk if you love Jesus. You know, C-H-C-H, what's missing? You are. You know, all this rubbishy stuff. Everywhere. I looked at him and thought, I would like to persecute you. I would like to persecute you. 
And as you can probably guess, I talked to him about just how he presented himself for work. I said, you're not persecuted because of your faith. You're persecuted because of your personality. That, that was just the truth of the matter. And we talked about that. So here's what I've noticed, and I, I often use this idea of a... Uh, like this idea of a cloud line and this idea of a line, I'm going to use it in a different way, but for me this seems to be two extremes I've fallen foul of and, and, and some of us do. Well, at one extreme, and I mentioned it in, as I was talking about doing this series at some point, at one extreme there are some of us and we really want to share our faith, but we're just a little bit socially awkward when it comes to sharing our faith. We don't know how to do it and we do it badly sometimes. We do it in an awkward kind of way. We used to have this uh, great old guy at our church and he would use any excuse. He'd walk in the room and it was just awkward. You walk in the room, you turn the light on and go, I remember when the light of the Lord came into my life. And it was like stuff like that. It was just really, really, really awkward. And he did it all the time. And uh, he was nicknamed, he had a fish and chip shop in Moston. Was it Moston or Harper? Moston. And he was nicknamed, but everybody in the, the town knew him as the Holy Friar, you know? Because he would walk in and he'd be serving, you know? And it'd be like almost, as a pr I almost guarantee, I can't promise you this, but I almost guarantee that when that fish was by, uh, frying, he'd say, one day this will happen to you, unless you turn. That was the kind of thing that he would do, you know? But that's one extreme. On the other extreme, you have people who are like, they're cool, they're trendy, they're, you know, they're just part of the crowd, they're with everybody. And maybe that's you. Cool, you're fine, but you don't even try and share your faith because you just don't know how. And we have these two extremes. And my question is, how can we be a people who, are, who, who aren't just weird and freaky, but how can we understand our culture? The Word of God says that the men of Ithaca knew the times that they were living in. How can we know the times that we're living in and share our faith? Now, I'm not saying I have all the answers to that question, okay? I have a few just by studying some of the things that I've seen in Jesus' life and some of the other people and that we're going to talk about over the next two weeks. So the next two weeks, we're going to, I'm going to kind of give some tips I've seen work and some things I've seen in the Word of God that are different and countercultural to what I was taught when I was younger about sharing my faith. Because when I was told to share my faith, it was, well, just work out your story and do before, during and after, and that was it. But times have changed, and, and sometimes there's a, a better way of sharing your faith. <laughs> so what I've decided to do is, we're talking about this idea of Havarim, which is friends who study together. And the idea is that we're, we're bringing these groups together, and every month we're trying to reach out to our community. And it's been good. We, we've done, uh, you saw pictures of the fantastic video of uh, the one that happened at Rob's and Karen's, and the one that happens at the Cheryl's is going really well. Uh, we've done about three outreaches, and we've probably had 20 to 25 of our neighbours come and chit-chat with us. But it's interesting when you say to someone in the group, hey, go and chat with that person. It's like, me? <laughs> me? What, what shall I say? Like, we're just going to throw a ball with them or something. And not everybody has that personality. Now, Becca, she's really good at that. She gets involved, she chats to people, but not all of us. Uh, I'm certainly not naturally like that. So how do we do that? And even though we're chatting and doing it, how do we bring in, how do we introduce people, our friends, how do we make friends, and then how do we introduce them to the things of God? So what I wanted to do is this way of helping us understand people. 
because for some of us we have to understand people so uh, we use on page this idea of true colours and the purpose of this is partly to understand ourselves but really to begin to understand other people so you all know your colour most of you know your colour if you don't know your colour then the team uh, Lena and Andrew and Lutz did a brilliant job with some of the other guys of helping people find their colours if you don't know their colour can, can the paste team just raise your hands so afterwards just see these guys and they'll, they'll help you out but we're going to show you the true colours there is orange give us a wave oranges okay golds blues look at the people around you and greens you're, you're blue greens okay here we go what I'm going to do first I'm going to explain the colours to you so oranges okay oranges are self-confident accept challenges make quick decisions desire change they're practical independent quick-witted creative inventive clear communicators oranges need need to be free to be active you need excitement do you like Rob Rob's an orange okay even as he's sharing the story even as he's sharing the story he has to make it exciting doesn't he like they said to him oh you're the sinners yeah an adventure adventure that's the oranges just wave if you're an orange it's a spontaneous child okay uh, we have a rainbow family so we have uh, every different color uh, our orange guess who our orange is in our family Levi no it's Joel Joel, Joel absolutely Joel okay Tigger would be the typical orange okay see a bouncy 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 Tigger yeah if you're an orange you could be Tigger okay what about blues well blues are the feeling child so they relate well to others couldn't put your hands up blues let's just see if this is true look around spot a blue okay spot a blue they relate well to others make a good impression team players enthusiastic persuasive people orientated mediator optimists sensitive to others appreciate harmony expressive engaging they need to be recognized to have close friendships and to discover who they are okay they're the nice warm fuzzy people that <laughs> annoy everybody else okay no, I'm only joking okay gold put your hand with your gold gold okay here we go Max the gold okay so oh by the way blues winning the poo would be a typical blue okay winning the poo is a blue gold organized consistent stable supportive perfectionist yes. details they like details service orientated in other words they like to serve others uh, they value tradition and loyalty they have strong beliefs and they value order they need they need to be useful they need to be useful they need to be productive they need orders and rules and they need traditions in the family guess who our gold is Lynn, absolutely yes. It's not the Oh, sorry. It should say it should say the responsible child. I'm sorry. Thank you, Karen. The responsible, definitely not the spontaneous child. Okay, who? Okay, guess which Winner the Pooh character would be gold? Anybody like to guess? Rabbit. Rabbit. Okay, gold. Greens. Green is the thinking child. Uh, there's less greens apparently in this room than anybody else. They're the standard setters. 
visionary futurists, perfectionists, explores all the facts, competent, persistent, analytical, they ask why, they're theoretical, they're an idea person, philosophical and independent. They need to understand why, to know the details of ideas and to be in control of self. Okay, and greens would be, guess what, what Winnie Pooh character would be a green? Piglet. Owl. Owl. So what we're going to do later, what we're going to do later over the next three weeks, and if you're in a have-ream, you'll get a chance to unpack some of this as well, but what we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to find out what stresses out the different colours. We're going to find out what the colours <laughs> what the colours think of themselves and we're also going to find out what other people secretly think about you okay. which is a bit scared but let me tell you a story um, years ago when I uh, I used to work at this place um, when I first when I was 17 my first job was as a relief manager so when I was 17 years old I had my first full-time job and what I did is I went around uh, department stores like this and when a manager was ill or a manager was off, or a manager was on holiday, I had to walk in at 17 years old and I had to like uh, lead that department for a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month sometimes. Sometimes it would be carpets, sometimes we'd be selling clothes, sometimes we'd be selling pots and pans, sometimes it'd be electrics, all sorts of different things. My job was to go in at 17, 18 years old and then eventually I got a job in this department store here, this is in Stockport in, um, in Greater Manchester. And uh, when I first got the job, I'd uh, fallen away from God, this job, and then I eventually came back to the Lord, so I kind of, what we call sometimes backsliding, for three years I went away from God. My beliefs didn't change, I just didn't want to follow God anymore. And at the age of 20, I got back uh, to the Lord, and I was passionate to learn about God. So what I did was, I used to have a morning break for 15 minutes, a lunchtime break for an hour, and then a 15 minute afternoon break. And what I decided to do, was I would get a Bible, uh, kind of a read through the Bible in year Bible, and I would study the Bible and read the whole of the Bible during that year. And every Friday I would fast as well. So for the whole year what would happen is I would read, I would every break, morning break, lunch break, and afternoon break, I found, everybody else was in the canteen, I would find this kind of back, back room and I would read, and that year I read through the whole of the Bible. And now I look back and I think to myself, that is probably one of the top 10 most stupidest things I ever did in my life. I mean, how thick do you have to be to read a book for a year and miss its whole purpose? I mean, how thick? So I've got a lot of people in the canteen who are lost, and I'm spending morning, lunchtime, and afternoon break reading the Bible about God's heart for the people in the canteen. It was a year until one of them said, Paul, why don't you ever come and talk? Do you not like us? What is it? They sat me, had this, like, come to Jesus to talk with me. I mean, you have to be pretty stupid. Because honestly, that doesn't come naturally. Because naturally, we've got a brain in the head, most of us. We've got, we've got a conscience in our heart. And we've got the Holy Spirit speaking to us. You have to practice to be that stupid. You do, you have to practice to be that stupid. And for me, sometimes I was practicing on Sundays. Because Sundays was a time every week I would come to church 
and every week I would learn more about the Word of God but not really do much during the week about it and habitually I was becoming thicker and thicker as time went on. So it was quite natural for me in my workplace in the morning break, lunch break and afternoon break to open my Bible and to just delve into it completely missing the point. But you know that department store needed what had been entrusted to me. It needed the message of the kingdom. And every one of us has a strength and we all need each one of us. Let me just list you the strengths. This is the last two colours bit but the orange child has the ability to be spontaneous and flexible. We need that don't we? We need people who can take action and risks. We need people who can entertain us and encourage us and compete. People who will take a challenge and go for it and if you're an orange we need people like you and the lost need people like you. There is a way you can probably share your faith that others can't. If you're a blue, the feeling child, you have the ability to see the good in others. Do you realise how important that is for sharing your faith? The ability to see the good in people where others can't? Incredible. It's like a superpower. Ability to know how others feel. I don't know how others feel unless you tell me. You have to literally paint me a picture. That's why God made faces so I could understand how you're feeling. Because unless you're going, I don't even know, alright? I am dead inside. We, we established this a long time ago. But some of you, you have the ability to know how people feel. And the ability to be cooperative and democratic, to connect people, to bring peace. Gold is the responsible child. The ability to be responsible, the ability to be dependable and serve others. The ability to respect authority and to be dutiful. You know, we're blessed as a family to have Lynn who's a gold and she's all those things. Very loyal, very dutiful, very responsible. And then we have green, the thinking child. And the ability to gain knowledge and skill. The ability to express exactly what is meant the ability to decide what is true. Whatever colour you are, you have a brilliant way that you can share your faith. And it's important that we understand that. Now what I'm going to do today is this. Next two weeks we're going to look at tips, if you like, for how to share our faith. And I can give you several tips from the Word of God. What I can't give you is love. I can't give you love for people. That's what I can't do. And so these next two to three weeks, that was partly the exercise, and maybe each week we'll do some of that, is what we're, because the only person who can give you love for people, agape love, is God. I can't give you that love. I can tell you some things that might be helpful, whether you do them or not, it's all got to do with what's in your heart. Do you love people enough? That's right. Or do you, do you care more about whether they'll reject you? or think you're silly, do you care more about yourself or do you love them? I can't give you that. That's the why, so let me be honest, I can't, you, you're not going to magically come to church and three weeks later be really great at sharing your faith because the biggest ingredient we can't give you. That can only come from, from asking God for it. Does that make sense? Okay, but let's, let's ask three questions. So today I want us to just ask three quick, quick questions. The first one is this, and these are things that are going to be important for us. These are questions that I've had to ask myself. Number one, what will define who I am? 
Will it be my colour or will it be my character? What will define who I am? Will it be my colour or will it be my character? One reason I don't like that many self-assessment tests and there's billions of them out there is what happens is people tend to hide behind them. Well, I'm this, therefore, this is what I can do and I can't do all these other things. But character goes beyond colour. So, for instance, you know, like, if I was to ask you what colour is Jesus, what colour would Jesus be? Well, first of all, people say daft things. They say things like, well, Jesus wouldn't be a colour because he's perfect. Well, that's just silly because colour's, colour's personality. It's not character. We know about Jesus' character because his character was important. His personality, whether he was an extrovert, an introvert, whether he was one of these different things, wasn't that important. What was really important is his character. Or what's important is character, because it's character that brings hope. The Word of God says this, and I want to give an example of this. The Word of God says, suffering brings perseverance, and perseverance brings what? Hope. So, uh, character, and character brings hope hope so it's character that gives people hope let me explain and forgive me if you've heard this story in your own page but years and years ago when I was at school uh, in the 70s uh, during the reign of, kind of Margaret Thatcher there was a couple of years where every was a big battle between like the the government and the trade unions and everybody went on strike so uh, I, I came from a kind of like a, a school I went to is kind of what you would call a blue collar school and most of the parents were on strike whether they were binmen or milkmen or wherever they were they were on strike so all of us decided we're going to go on strike as kids. So what happened was we all decided, like three, four hundred lads in a lower school, we decided when the bell goes, we won't. We're in the yard, the schoolyard, and when the bell goes again, we won't go back into school. So the bell went, and four hundred of us stood in the yard, going strike, 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 and we won't go back into school for minutes, for ages. We just won't go back into school at all. Now to explain what happened next, because what happened next made a major effect on my life. We had all sorts of teachers in my school. We had Mr. Uh, Mr. W. And Mr. W was, uh, uh, I'm not going to name the names, but Mr. W was a sports teacher and he used to tell us all rude jokes. So he was like really blue. You'd probably get put away now, seriously, for the kind of jokes he would tell us. But he was like the fun guy. Everybody loved him because he would tell us all these blue jokes and stuff. And then you had... Um, um, Mr. M uh, and he was like a, a nutter he, he would just fly off the handle so one day I came out of school and there was an L-shaped playground it was snowing and all I could hear was Mr. M in the middle of this roar and him screaming screaming. I went round the corner as I got around the corner there's Mr. M the his nickname was The Snapper and there's about 200 lads around him with snowballs he's like I'll take the beep 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 lot of you on here and now he was a really good fighter Mr. M okay I'd come on like this so all the kids were like should we should we well I used to get into trouble at school not because I was naughty I was just on a different planet from everybody else so I would I thought oh it's a fun game so I got a snowball it's perfect snowball like half snow half grit and I, I broke into a circle threw this snowball it, everything went into slow motion did this, this arc and he went Ooh, and it hit him on the bridge of the nose the whole place went quiet the circle opened up I realised I was in trouble I ran he got me on the floor kicked me in the head three times okay <laughs> Mr M he was like really really tough so he didn't mess with him then we had Mr A and he was like an anarchist oh, sorry Mr C he was an anarchist and he wore everything he wore was black black shirt black tie black uh, jacket black 
trousers, black dot martens. And what he would do is, uh, in our school, because he didn't like the Christians, so what he would do is, um, oh, let me go back a bit. Uh, oh, no, don't mind. Okay, this is slightly out of whack. Can we just pull out back to two, one, sorry. What he did was, in my school, we had this thing called uh, a leather strap. So it was about this long, and it was shredded at the end, and you would get it on your backside, or your legs, or you would get it on your hands. And uh, so what he used to do, Mr. A used to do, is he'd give the Christian kids, it's genius really, when you think about it, he'd give them, because he had to read something out in school because he taught English, so he'd give them this, uh, this um, essay to read out, but he'd always, for some of them, not always, he'd make sure he had a swear word in it, and then when they wouldn't swear, he would strap them. So that's what he did. But he was like a really cool, I made him popular, because there was only like in my class of 35 boys, there was only three who believed in anything supernatural. Two of them were into the occult, and there was me. <laughs> And then there was Mr. N, and Mr. N was the, the Christian. He ran the God Squad, okay, which I was a part of. So I would go to the Christian Union, and he was the one, he, he was so desperate to seek and to save the lost that he would literally take us to church on the Sunday. He didn't invite us because he knew we wouldn't go. He would bring us. So he'd meet us at school or meet us at our house. And sometimes there was one small lad, it was always him because he couldn't fit us all. He, he, he rescued so many of us that what he did was he used to put us in the trunk of the car. So he put him in the trunk and he would get him, again, probably illegal, but... You know, the guy got saved, so it can't be bad. So what happened was, we we take you back to the school, we're strike, strike, strike. So what the school did, this is a true story, was they sent out three teachers, Mr. C, Mr. M, and Mr. W. And they came out, and what they all did was this, they all shouted to the whole lot, like some of them joked about, Mr. W joked and tried to get us to come in, because, oh, this is daft lads, and take the mickey out of us. Nobody moved. Mr. C... And Mr. M basically threatened us. Nobody moved. Because when you're a 14 year old lad, you're much more worried about the other 1,400 lads than you are about a teacher. You know, he can just give you bruises, you know, but it's not gonna, it's gonna stay with you five minutes. What well, the rest of the lads are gonna do for you for like an entire year is gonna stick with you forever. So nobody moved. And it was going on like quite a while. And then what they did was they sent out Mr. N, Mr. Newbury, the Christian. So he walks out and there's an immediate bit of a groan. It's like, well, what's he gonna do? And he was, and the one thing he didn't do was what everybody else did. He didn't, he didn't look around and shout at everybody. What he did was he stood there and he looked, he just looks. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? Like, what's he doing? And then I thought, oh no. Because I realised what he was doing. And he was looking for the God Squad. And he and he what and he sit and then he saw me. And he made eye contact, never make eye contact with people. He made eye contact with me and then he walked towards me and he literally did this, he literally, I remember to my dying day, he looked at me and went, Paul, you know this is wrong, follow me. Oh. And he turned around and I followed him. Now, you've all been teenagers, most of you. You know what peer pressure is like. I followed him. But, and that's how the school strike broke. It's incredible when you think about it. Why? Because of character not personality. See, it's been said that when character and charisma walk into the room, two different ha things happen. When charisma walks into the room, everybody gets excited, everybody's interested, but when people realise all you've got is charisma, mm -hmm. they don't follow you anymore, they're not interested. When character walks into the room, nobody notices. But after a while, people get on board with you. Why? Because character arrives when it says it's going to arrive. Character doesn't leave until you know 
it's finished. It is finished. Character turns up on time. Character keeps its promise. When character says, I'm going to do this or we're going to do this, you know it's going to happen. Character is far more important than charisma. Now, especially if you're a teenager, well, especially now teens, but even older, most of us spend most of the time thinking about our personality, don't we? You know, when I was at school, like, well, people think I'm funny. Well, will they not laugh at me, joke? And it bothered me. It don't bother me now. But it did when I was younger. Well, it bothered me a little bit, but it, don't bother, it didn't bother me. It really bothered me when I was younger. So on my mind all the time is personality. And God's not that interested because we've all got personalities, different types. That's the point. What well, he's really interested in character. So what's going to define you? What's going to take up your time? Your colour or your character? That's the question you've got to ask yourself if you want to seek and to save the lost. Because no matter how fun you are, clever you are, um, any of these things, if people can't put their hope and trust in you, now I know we say we have to put in Jesus, but Jesus said we have to be like him. If you're flaky, if you're fun, but you only do things when they're fun, if you're friendly with this person but you're not friendly with that person people see that at work and at college people looking for character you know if you know my story I was home from ceilings because I was a Christian but those same kids would come up to me when they had a problem and ask me to talk to them about Jesus because people no matter what they're saying they're looking for character what are you going to be defined by your colour or your character second just really quickly Oh yeah, what I was going to say about this just really quickly was, uh, you know, I'm at this, that's my boat, I have a boat now. I'm at, uh, I go to this yacht club in Arlington, I'd be there most afternoons, I won't be there this afternoon. And uh, what's interesting is, every one of the colour, colours is there. It's just the same, you see the same people there. You see the, the loud ones, the quiet ones, you see the ones that want to slip in and not be noticed, you, you see the ones that want to make a grand entrance. You see the ones you can depend on, the ones who do all the hard work, the ones who just come and they're on the fringes. We think it's church, it's just life. It's just personality. So what will make us different uh, from being a club, just a religious club, to being the kingdom is not our colour, but our character. Yeah? Okay. This person's a hero of mine. It took me a year to try and get a photograph of this guy. This is the guy I want to be. All right? I've been in a club and he, he's been in this club for a year and I still don't know his name. Somehow he's managed not to talk to me or anybody. I can only look up to this guy, really. <laughs> and Levi won't let me smoke a pipe, but there you go. Okay, number two. Which kind of person am I? Let me just read something to you. Which kind of person am I? This is what um, uh, one, uh, some, some uh, Hebrew scholars say about the meaning of Matthew 5 verse 10 and the passage we read before. It says this. The Beatitudes are a description of the kind of people who make up the kingdom of heaven. So what kind of people make up the kingdom of heaven? Those who want, above all else, for God to rule in the life of every person. Amen. Seeking and saving the lost was Jesus' number one priority. In Matthew 5.10, Jesus is again emphasising the kind of people that will make up the kingdom of God are those who want more than anything else to see God save the lost. Those who pray the kingdom come. An exhortation which actually means rule, over, rule God over more and more 
individuals. Now, what, the key there is above all else, because I would think most of us, maybe not everybody, I don't want to presume, but most of us in this room would like to see the lost saved. But the kingdom of God, if these scholars are right, is going to be made up by those who say above everything else. Now, I have a friend of mine who's a pastor, and uh, what he's done is he's stopped uh, studying at home as much and started to study in Starbucks. Because what he does is he, he knows everybody in Starbucks now, and everybody knows he's a Christian. And uh, some, of the young some of the people who work there even, some people who go there, now go to their Havreen, this group of friends who study together. And uh, there's this one guy, this one guy that they've been talking about, because he knows all the gossip. And one of the problems in the Starbucks is, is there's one guy who, he's got a car and he drives a car, he's one of, one of the uh, customers, and his car is full of political stuff. But it's, all, it's not just like vote for vote, it's like all the things he hates about this other person. And, and, the, way, and the car sticks out and everybody in the Starbucks, all the staff, and knew about it and really struggled because here's this guy who's just like a bit of a hater, you know? And then um, afterwards, one of them came up to Kevin and said, Kevin, Kevin, you won't believe this, we just found out who the car belongs to because they've been trying to find out for a few days. It's, it's him. And they point to the guy who's a pastor in the church. So my friend, my pastor friend, went up and met with him and said, hey, he says, uh, I know you just started coming over the last couple of weeks. And so, so I've been coming for here for a few months. He says, because uh, he was reading his Bible. He said, I know you're reading the Word of God. He says, yeah, I love the Word of God. He said, that's great. It's fantastic. I'm a pastor as well. That's great. Wonderful. He says, yeah, he says, hey, I don't mind if you, don't mind if you, if I just talk about something that frankly do. He said, no, what? He said, well, I, um, I've been trying to reach the people in, in this Starbucks. I've been coming here for a few months. I know more by name. And, and, uh, to be really honest, your car's been a bit of a problem for him, but when he found out you were a pastor, he said, you can set my work back three or four months. Yeah, I'm sure. He said, would you, would you do me a favour? He said, I'm not actually to take all your badges off. He says, would you, would you mind when you park, reversing the way you park? So rather than having the back sticking out, have the front just back in. Would you mind just to help me? And the guy literally did this. He said, well... I understand what you're saying, but I don't think I can. Now, if you were to ask that pastor, I don't know who that guy is, you ask that pastor, does he want to see the sick and save uh, lost? He would say yes. If you asked him above all else, well, he was asked and he said no. So we have to ask ourselves, are we hiding the gospel in all this other stuff? Is it, is it the gospel or is it all this other stuff that we're sharing as well. You know, why I use true colours, the point is to understand others. By others, I don't mean just those in our groups, but those not yet seeking first the kingdom of God. Last thought. <coughs> what gospel am I sharing? What gospel am I sharing? What we're trying to do is invite people into the kingdom of God and we've talked about that, the rule, the reign, the realm, the rule of God in our lives. But you must introduce people by your character, not your colour. So Jesus described heaven like a party, didn't he? So uh, if an orange, let me explain the colours, if an orange goes to a party, an orange is the person who brings the whoopee cushion. Okay? <laughs> an orange is the person who wants to do the fun stuff. They might not bring up a whoopee cushion, but they, they want to have a laugh. They want to have fun. 
if a blue comes, generally, and you can't split the whole world into four colours, but generally a blue wants to see one or two people they can have a nice, intense, close relationship. They're not likely to be major social butterflies. They're looking to, for a couple they can really chat with and, and really discuss stuff with. If a gold comes to a party, what they're thinking is this. Has everybody got enough food? <laughs> did, everybody, did everybody get invited? Yeah. All right, well, so you're thinking, Lynn? Is everybody else having a good time? Is anybody offending anybody? Is anybody offending anybody? <laughs> <laughs> if, greens, if greens go to a party, it's a miracle, all right? Because a lot of greens just don't want to be there in the first place. And if they do, they want to have some kind of intelligent debate with somebody about something important. They hate, hate, hate small talk. So we're inviting people, we're inviting or introducing people into the kingdom of God, but we've got to ask what kind of gospel are we sharing? If you're an orange, for instance, and you make it all about fun, then they'll love God while it's fun. While it's fun. But it's not always fun loving God, is it? Do you know in uh, Britain recently, they did a survey, it said that uh, almost 75% of everybody in Britain, 75% of everybody in Britain would describe their lives as medium to above average happiness. Uh, and we have this idea that everybody's miserable unless they're Christians. This is not true. We made a huge mistake in Britain years ago. Two major um, uh, denominations, I was part of one. We did this campaign, it was like a teaser campaign. It was called Jim, uh, Juice and Me, Jim. And the idea was you would see these, these stickers. And we, we, the idea was going to steal everybody else's slogan they're like, like Heineken, probably the best beer in the world. Jim, probably the best friend in the world. You know, it's good to be all these different things. And, and all these churches bought into it. But when they put it up, all the banners, I remember seeing the first one being so gutted because the first banner said, depressed, miserable, talk to Jim. Well, that we've just probably labelled 5% of the population. Because one, in Britain, most people aren't miserable. Most people say they have a, a good life. Secondly, very few are actually, you know, actually depressed. And those who are, most of them don't even realise it anyway. <laughs> so to put a campaign, you, you, the narrowness. So the fact is, what is it that we're, we're trying to invite people to? It's not just to have a fun time, is it? If you're green and it's all about knowledge, then they will follow God whilst it makes sense. It doesn't always make sense, does it? Always, you know? There's a lot of faith involved, isn't there? If you're gold and it's all about service, then they'll serve God while they feel acknowledged. But who's ever felt they've served God and not been acknowledged for it? If you're blue and it's just about friendship and family, they'll love God until they feel hurt. And how many churches are full of people who were in another church but then got hurt? So they went to another church, and then they'll probably get hurt there, and then they got because you get hurt in church. Hurt's full of church is full of people. You're going to get hurt. So, what is the gospel exactly? We'll talk about that over the next couple of weeks. What is it? What's most important is we're asking ourselves these questions: Is what do we want to be known for? Just our personality or our character? 
It's interesting with, with Zacchaeus. Um, Zacchaeus said, I'll give you back a fourth, didn't he? And half of my possessions. What's interesting about the Hebrew law at the time is that there were, there were three stages of repentance, three types. One who confessed, rather than being found out and volunteered to repay, was asked to pay 120%. In other words, pay back what you've, you've stolen and 20%. One who was found out and forced to pay back was sorry, one who confessed and was forced to pay back had to give 200%, had to give twice as much as they'd stolen. But one who was found out and had stolen essentials and had shown no pity had to pay back 400%. What's interesting is Zacchaeus fell into category one but repented to category three. Why? Because when people get saved really, they'll do anything. Yep. When people get truly saved, when people truly repent, it's completely and absolutely life-changing. The kingdom of God becomes the most important thing. Amen. But artificial rewards produce artificial results. Mm -hmm. So as we share our gospel, we need to share what the gospel really is. And that's important. And we have to think about what it costs Jesus. When Jesus died upon that cross when Jesus was hurt you know when people walked up to the cross history tells us people lost the power of speech people lost the colour from their face history tells us this not from the Bible just from other history books people, some people lost their mind just out of pure fear of what they were about to do but Jesus it was so important to him to seek and to save the lost that he went through that walk he'd seen as a kid people crucified he knew what to expect that was what he was prepared he knew what it meant and he knew what it took and over the next three weeks next two weeks I should say we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about true colours a bit more because it'll help us understand each other and other people but we're going to talk about this idea of making friends with the purpose of introducing them to Jesus let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us We're going to uh, sing one more song, but let's just, uh, let's just keep our eyes closed for the moment, if that's okay. These next three weeks are a process, a kind of step by step, and, and the first step was uh, what Rob did, which was beginning to help us reflect on this idea of, of loads were lost in our lives. You know, some of us, we've prayed for a house and God's miraculously given us that house and we may be foolish enough, foolishness enough to think that it's just for us, but if God's put you in a house on the street, if you know there was a miracle, he's probably got you a, a job for you to do on that street. If God gave you that job, that career, in an office or workplace, he's probably got a job for you to do there. And we can't force people and we don't want to coerce people. We'll talk about that over the next couple of weeks. But we do want to make friends with people in order they can see Christ in us. So just as we, as we worship, I want us to be worshipping with that question in our mind. Do we want that above all else? Or what else have we put in place? What else is that number one spot? Because for Jesus it took everything. And for some of us it's not going to be as easy as we think. 
it's going to require more of us but God is in it with us God will give us his spirit God will give us wisdom and knowledge and ideas so as we finish as we as we sing this last song can I encourage you as you're worshiping God just begin to reflect as well asking him Lord give me that love and may your dream be my dream in Jesus name